feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. It's the Conquer Local podcast. We're continuing the series on inside sales. It's one of my favorite topics. Just ask any one of our enterprise customers. I'm all over them. Why don't you have an inside sales organization? Can really help you out with this. And I, I have the privilege when I'm traveling, got a bunch of friends in the SaaS software space, and I've been to lots of different inside sales organizations. And the two gentlemen that are joining me on the podcast right now have been with our organization for four and five years, I believe. Ever since we began the sales motion of inside sales, we've got Mr. Todd Roberts, our director of sales, and Mr. Myron Kinderchuk, top performer in the Vendast organization. Gentlemen, welcome. Pleasure to be hey, here. Pleasure. Thanks, George. So we've got a ton of ego and a ton of uh, sales horsepower on this call. Just ask any of us. And uh, we're going to dig into what makes a successful BDR organization. So business development rep. And we have the SDR, which is the tip of the spear. So marketing creates some leads, usually never enough and not, not good enough leads. Right, guys? And uh, yeah, that's that's an ongoing joke between sales and marketing. But we, we actually get along with marketing very well in our organization. Marketing gets us leads. SDR is the tip of the spear. Talk to those leads. Figure out if they're real or not. Figure out if they're worth sending them to the high priced, to the, the royalty, to the BDR, the closers. And that's who these two gentlemen are. Todd running the organization. Myron, one of the leads in the, in the business. And Todd, let's talk about your career path. You aren't a salesperson by trade, or are you? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's what I was born and bred for. But when we uh, first met, I think you were selling me whiskey. Well, that's, hey, that's a sales process too. I always got you to buy the doubles. That is true. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody likes the upsell, especially a salesperson. You know, uh, it's interesting because um, I believe that people who have worked in the service industry um, are some of the best salespeople out there because they learn to talk to strangers at a very... Uh, uh, at the very embryonic stage of their career in that business, because every table or every person across the bar is a new prospect that you have to relate to. And uh, Todd, you, you've always had the gift of the gab and been able to communicate with people very well. And when we put you onto the phone and you started call, I remember the very first days, because at that time we were listening to every, there weren't a lot of calls then. We were listening to every single call and you and I would sit down, we'd play them back. And uh, you you were just a natural at it, and and then we got to the figuring out how to close the business. So let's talk about the a day in the life of a business development rep. Which one of you would like to to start? How does a day in the life of a BDR? Um, how does that go in our organization? Sure, I would love to uh, to comment on that, and it's it's Myron here. And I, I think truly the day in the life of you know the morning starts the night before as far as I'm concerned, where you're, you're mapping out your next day, you've got a pretty good idea of what, you know, part of your pipeline you need to hit, what conversations, what phone calls you're going to have to have that next day. So I'd say for me, you know, a day in the life of really starts by organizing the night before, and then you show up fresh with a plan then that, that next day, really just to kill it and hit the ground running. Um, you know, starting with catching up on emails that come through, through time zones overseas because they're on a different, you know, uh, wavelength than we are. And, you know, booking those demos, 
um, planning, doing research, um, phone calls, presentations. Every so often you might be able to go and catch a washroom break, um, but for the most part, it's keep your head down and, and keep driving forward. So for you two individuals, and and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably give a number of compliments, but not only stone cold killers when it comes to talking to customers, solving their problems and finding a fit for them. So I don't mean just a sale at, at all costs. I mean, a good sale where there was a true fit between the organizations. It's going to be long-term business, but you both are very, very professional in what you do. Has it always been that way? No, I, with me, it wasn't, it was a steep learning curve, uh, but you pull away from what you've learned, uh, you know, in the previous sales jobs, or like you said, the service industry, I also agree with you in that in in that uh, aspect that a uh, great salesperson if they if I see that on the resume I'm I'm immediately interested that and if I see if they've worked at McDonald's that's another one that usually installs instills a good uh, work ethic um, uh, but uh, no it, it was trained and you know uh, trying to emulate the people that are having success around you was something that I relied on heavily uh, you don't have it all figured out so just copy the people that do have it figured out and and augment and uh and uh you know do, do what they're doing that's a good point and i just to add to that i really think that one of those important traits that todd is really talking about is becoming that chameleon where you can really morph and take on you know different you know, perceptions of different roles of different organizations of different industries and then communicate that out to someone as valuable so i think that's probably one of the most important things is you know really being able to take a step back and, and morph and be that chameleon and, and change as, you know, the different curves are being thrown at you. You know, interesting. Another piece I want to add to this, were, were both of you, you know, really good students? Like, did you love going to school and love learning things? I was not. I was the absolute worst student on the, no, not me. I, I don't know about Meyer. I think we were, we were like yin and yang here, George, where I was kind of the principal's honor roll, great student, pursued college degree, everything else. And that, I think that's why Todd and I get along so well is, you know, we've got the, the opposites attracting here, but it really makes for a, a great conversation, a great dynamic duo. Yeah, I agree. The reason that I bring it up is because you both are incredible students now. So, you know, Myron, you always were that person. You realized that you needed to do the research and Todd, you really grew into it. You realized if I want to excel at this, am I, am I right on that? Well, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with 100%. Yeah. Change is, change is inevitable. So the best thing you can do essentially at this point is, is learn how to accept and learn how to use it and manipulate it and use it towards your advantage. Uh, I, and I think it also stems back from where both we were winners. We want to be winners and we want to continue to win. So that's, that's, we, we take the path, easiest path to get there. 100%. Well, you're, you're leaning into a question that, that I always ask, and that is how important is the gamification of the sales motion for business development reps, for the, the presenters and the closers? It has to be. You have to. You have to have competition around there. You have to have game the gamification. Uh, if like we we tried it slightly. We've tried every every six ways of tr everything. We tried a little bit without that, and it was it, it didn't work. You need to put people against each other. You need to put. That's why you have a scoreboard to follow. That's why you've got you know metrics that you're that you're uh, dealing spiffs. with every day. Spiffs, everything like that. Definitely, that's a must have. So it it isn't necessarily about creating a culture of fun. It's about creating a culture where there's striving to meet a goal and a celebration around achieving that goal. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Absolutely. I'd say on an individual level and as a, on a team level as well, you know, we're all part of the same organization. We're all trying to push that needle up and to the right every single day. Um, but celebrating individual wins and team wins is definitely something I would see our, our team is absolutely fantastic at doing. So question for both of you, if I would have told you five years ago that you would be, uh, with a headset on 
working, you know, 10 hours a day and making the kind of money you're making right now. And we don't need to go into, you know, what it says on your tax form, but would you, (laughs) would you have believed me? I would have hoped and dreamed that, uh, that's, yeah, that would be something that I would have wanted to shoot for, but it's, it's a a rocket ship. And and George, you know, I came from a bit of a different sales background in in pipe valves and fittings and, and selling wholesale steel pipe and valves and copper on mine sites. So never in a hundred years would I guess that I'm trotting around a tech company and there's food and foosball <laughs> and all kinds of things going on. So, you know, and, and I, I remember when you and I had your interview and you were telling me what you did on a daily basis and what you were selling. I, and I admired that because, you know, we, we need toilets. They're a really important piece of the puzzle and showers are vitally <laughs> yeah. important as well. So, you know, uh, and we need salespeople. It, it is such an important part of our culture. Now, what, uh, how do you stay motivated? Because it can't be all rainbows and sunshine every day. I'd say, uh, first things first for me is when I walk in the office every day and, and get the high fives and the good mornings. And the first thing I see that stares me down is my vision board and the things that I'm trying to put check marks on. And there's sea and boats and limos and trips and vacations and festivals. So that's my motivation. And the hardest part about that was, you know, really realizing that when you accept the sales role that you're going to lose four to five times more often, you're going to win. So keeping that, that head up and still looking at those vision board items is what pushes me every single day. Oh, yeah, and I, I just, let me jump in for a second. So I just <laughs> want to make sure everybody at home heard this. Myron Kinderchuk, top performer, went to the, uh, would you go to the F1 race in uh, Singapore or something like that? Yeah. The night race last year. Yeah. So he's got two limos that he's bought. It's got a hot tub. He's got a jet boat and he just said that he loses five times more than he wins. That's what you said, right? Absolutely. Without and you actually have an expectation of that. Set in stone. I, I, I learn five times more than I win, I should say. Interesting. So I love the way that you spun that. Todd, how about you? What, what's your, your expectation when it comes to actual wins and losses during the day? I don't have an actual number. But it's you keep on trying until you get that win and you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off after that loss and you do it again. Sometimes maybe it takes twice. Sometimes it takes 10 times. So uh, I yeah, I'm totally on board with with Myron, too, as well as with uh, what motivates me is the vision board. Definitely. I've got one. The whole team has a vision board in front of them. It's also uh, like the numbers. I really like looking at that scoreboard and seeing where we're at, where we're going and how we're going to get there. So I have said for a long time in my career in sales that not everyone can be a salesperson because listen, if you were an accountant and you're working in the finance department and five times more than you do things right, you fail. That's not going to work out for you as an accountant. (laughs) It's not. And, and on the other side, if you are the person that, you know, is installing plumbing. So Myron back in the day, sold you a bunch of plumbing fixtures and you install them and four to five times the thing doesn't work. You fail. That's not going to work out for you in your business. But in sales, there is this expectation that yes, I didn't succeed here, but I learned and I didn't succeed here. And I learned, or that customer isn't ready yet because customers buy when they're ready. You have to have that expectation that it's a grind. I need to keep going. I need to keep going because uh, every four knows now I'm going to get a yes. It doesn't matter how methodical, how tactical, <laughs> how much of a sniper you are in sales. There's still going to be those ones that squeak through, you know, where you just have to learn and accept it and move on or, you know, really sit down and, and come up with a bit of a different game plan well, with that objection. And that's part of the, 
I'd say that the part I enjoy about sales the most is, is handling those objections and trying to craft the deal that just makes sense for both parties. And I think what Myron does really well is uh, is just being tenacious and your closed deals that are three years out, you know? Um, so I think that's a real skill as well to have is to just, you know, but you got to, at the same time, you got to learn to when, when to let go. Well, and I, I think that the reason that we need to learn to let go is because we don't necessarily want every customer. There, you know, it's not a sale at all costs. And that's the thing that's really changed in, in the industry because I know that in, in uh, my early part of my career and when, I, when my career as a salesperson started taking off, I'd close anything. I, I could come up with a way to close any deal. And, you know, it was just a one-time thing though because any hard close that you've ever made where you pull out all, every trick in the book, puppy, dog, Columbo, doorknob, you, know, you name it, <laughs> it, you pull out every trick to get the deal across the line, it's probably going to go sideways. And, and that is not where you build a repeatable model and you, and compensation models are built to get rid of that stinky deal because it just, it's not good business. So that's where the, the uh, business has really changed. You need to make sure that it's a win-win on both sides. So you can get that, you know, the Holy grail of that monthly recurring revenue that everybody in the software is as well. Every business now is, is chasing. So, um, we've talked about some real good stuff and thanks guys. You gave us some great insights in the whole role of doing presentations and, working with that customer to find a fit. I want to talk about needs analysis because I think it's the thing that, that is, you know, overlooked. Um, Myron, what are some of your tips that you would give to a, to a young sales rep when it comes to the importance of needs analysis? Well, George, I think the first part of me preparing for uh, any follow-up call or initial presentation um, really comes down to me putting myself in the prospect shoes. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're going cross-dimensional now where we're, we're working with FinTech folks uh, we're working with folks from the productivity and the, the MarTech stack. And, you know, whether I'm talking to a merchant service or payment processor to a you know, local newspaper or local radio station, those are going to be vastly different conversations, different folks and staff and employees involved on different layers. So I really like to formulate, you know, my assumptions and, and their needs based upon being a day in a life of that person and their particular role. Am I working with their VP of sales? Am I working with a salesperson? Am I working with a uh, you know, the, the gatekeeper who was just tasked to check out, uh, you know, what we do and, and then report back to another superior. So that's kind of my, my initial plan is always to build myself a bit of a, a where's this conversation going to go. Todd, I want to ask you the question, how do you train your new sales reps on this very important piece of, of the needs analysis stage? So they're old, they're old tricks, but they're still relevant today. It's, it's you ask, uh, you do the appropriate research. Uh, and then you ask the right questions and then you shut up and you listen. That's, those are the base keys. You just got to make sure you do those three things and, and ask the relevant questions. Like Myron just said, you don't ask a, a fintech guy something about a restaurant uh, specialty guy. So you just make sure you, you do your due diligence. I love the listening part too. The active listening piece is so key. And you know, that the whole rule of two ears, one mouth, right? So ask the right questions and then shut up and listen and take the proper notes. So, you know, when I, when I think back to the evolution of, of the inside sales motion inside our organization and on that active listening point, and we just have to point back to the largest ever sales survey last year that we conducted of listeners of the Conquer Local podcast, the number one thing that came up from managers, from reps, inside sales, field sales, that a salesperson must, must possess is the skill of active listening. How hard do you have to work with your new reps and with existing reps to remind them of this, Todd? 
So it really depends on where they're coming from, if they've had experience, what kind of sales experience. Uh, like Myron, I, Myron, I, that's a thing that just comes natural to him. Uh, so that's where you, you, know, you identify for each rep uh, what they need. I would say it's a split. I'd say 50-50. Some people are really, really good at it. Some people need guidance on it. And I mean, with the guidance, uh, like like George said, with gamification of sales, you guys got, got guys taking breaks and shooting hoops in the room. There's swords flying around. Someone's moving desks. There's a lot going on and there's <laughs> a lot of distractions. So keeping your head down and keeping focus is, is definitely a challenge. But when you can do it, I guarantee you, you're going to knock it out of the park. So Todd came to me one day and he said, you know, we're going to put a bench press in here and I'm going to bring some dumbbells from home. When the guys, uh, you know, they, they need a bit of a break, they're going to come over here and they're going to build their chests. Well, if I look across your team of people, there aren't many people that are doing the bench press. I will say that to you. Um, you know, how important are those little, you know, and then the other, the other Jeff Davis comes in with a whole bunch of swords and stuff that he found in Africa. It, 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 sometimes when we bring guests down into the inside sales organization and they're not used to it, but it, it all of those little tricks are there for a reason. Todd, you want to talk about the, the swords, the yeah, basketball, absolutely. I'm the, going to have to. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you that people don't use that, George. I, we absolutely do use that. No, I've been, well, I've been watching. Your chests aren't very good. <laughs> maybe not me. Maybe not me in particular. But like you had said, distractions. It's We work hard. We play hard. It's very important that when you need a break, you just had a bad call, something like that, that you don't jump into the next one. Go and you, you shoot a couple hoops. Go for a walk around the block. You know, Talk to your colleagues. Shake it off and go do it again. Same with a same with a positive call. You'll see the guys up there shooting hoops or 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 with the bench press, and they'll be talking about that positive call. It's really good that you that you um, take a minute away from your of your desk and then dive right back into it. It's it's interesting to me. I've also noticed the evolution over the last you know five six years. It isn't a slit the throat type of competition. But it is it is very competitive in that room. Can you speak to it, guys, as to how you've been able to accomplish that? Because sometimes that thing can go super negative, and you've been able to keep it really positive. Yeah, that's something that that it's a it's a day to day struggle to to keep that. We are are absolutely harvesting uh, that kind of culture on the BDR team. Now we did have a slip, um, you know, uh, what a year and a half ago or something, where it did have a little dip. But that's something, once again, we, we don't do everything perfect. We learn from our mistakes. We realize what we did wrong uh, or what we could improve, maybe not even did, did wrong, improve upon, and then go. And then and then hiring the right people, like having a Myron on the team that can drive that positive uh, force through but still competitive is very important. Yeah, I think Todd knows that in that room, I'm probably the one that hates losing the most. So believe me, when there's a competition, there's something to be won. Um, you know, as much as I'm going to help all the other juniors and the other reps and still get their deals closed, I'm always, uh, you're always looking out for number one, but always willing to help at the same time. You know, it's a, it's an interesting conversation and it, it happens in all sorts of sales organizations. Do you take the top rep and make them a manager? <laughs> I think, uh, I think you can. I think it it uh, it all depends, you know. Uh, can they learn? Can they do it? But at the same time, like I'm I'm struggling with that thought right now with with Myron. I want to want to put him uh, into back into some serious management, but I don't want to lose him sales. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, George. What, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, I have very strong opinions, loosely held. Um, but I I will tell you on on this point, I I have read a number of different differing views on it, but I believe when it comes to sales that it is very difficult to lead if you can't do. And, uh, you know, the reps need to follow a leader that has performed. And I've saw when we've, 
in organizations where they brought someone to lead that was not on the street and does not understand what the day-to-day is like and does not have that empathy for what the reps are going through and couldn't pick up a phone and close a deal to save their lives, there isn't that buy-in. So, you know, it's, but again, it's catch 22, take your best rep off the street, you lose the closes, but then, you know, when cloning becomes a thing and we can just take that DNA and clone Myron Kinderchuk and Todd (laughs) Roberts and Justin Babby and Danny Chagnons and Ryan Boyko's, uh, it's going to be a great day. But in the meantime, what we have to do is, and Myron said it, he's very, very competitive, but he's not afraid to help the person beside him. So I just want to caution people, when you put the gamification into the organization, be very, very careful that it isn't slit their throats to get the deal, like steal a deal away from the the guy next door. That stuff is so toxic that it will destroy the internal uh, organization. And that leads me to an amazing segue. Um, How bad is it if you have a cancer? inside the team what can it do guys you've experienced it tell us about your experience with that i'd say for the most part george it, it does what it does to everyone else is it kind of uh, it eats you alive from the inside out so it's like having that mole that that toxicity within the organization that it really just downs on the whole group and the positivity and and, and the momentum of course you know we have the the bells and the, the wrestling belts and all the things that get to classify the top performers and who's winning and, you know, the, the negative energy really just brings that down. I mean, before I started at Vendasta, I used to, to roll in right at the buzzer, right at the bell at 8 a.m. And now every day I, I push myself to come in 40 minutes, an hour, an hour early, just because I get to see my, my teammates and everyone's ready and waiting and on calls and trying to already beat one another. But they do it out of respect. So, Todd, question for you. You had a top performer. They brought in, you know, they hit their quota the last six months in a row, but they are an absolute cancer. How fast would you move to remove them in, in today's day and age after you've been doing this for a few years? Immediately. Uh, I've made that mistake in the past. I, I will not make that mistake again. Uh, with my experiences, as soon as you cut that cancer out, it is just a sigh of relief in the room. Everybody's just so – people come up and say, you know, I didn't realize how much that was affecting me, but it it I, things are so much better now. So do not wait on that. Cut that out immediately. Gentlemen, I got to barge in here. We were talking about top performers, you know, moving them into a leadership role and now cutting top performers as they're cancerous. Am I expecting a surprise? <laughs> am, I, am I getting a new employment contract with a raise or am I being let go here? <laughs> Listen, if HR walks in with an envelope, then you got an issue. <laughs> you know, uh, it's interesting that you bring this up. We're joking about it, but Myron brings up a very good point. And, you know, Simon Sinek has made a business out of this talking about safety and making your team feel safe and making them understand that there isn't a risk going on. Because I think that all of us, we don't, we, we think that we're positive people, but I've even found myself going, Oh, you know, is today the day, you know, we, we kind of missed last month a little bit or, you know, Oh, I got that deal and didn't really go the way I wanted. Is today the day that the ax is going to come down, you know? And wow. We've been having really, really good years the last six or seven years, but I even find myself with it. So I, I, I want to know how important is that to you two to have that level of safety? And then how do you foster that inside your teams? So, you know, I think I do a really good job at that. We had uh, one of our vendors come in and he pulled, actually pulled me aside and he was like, Hey man, you know, you could give your team some extra kudos for this and you could. And I thought, you know, I thought I was doing well, but I think if you, it's just like when you're on camera, you think you're being animated and you think you got to do it 10 times more. So it, it, you know, a a positive word here and there saying a good job 
is is really vital. You never know how much a, just a little word or a little a little slip could affect somebody's whole day. Well, one tactic that I also have uh, recently picked up on from some of the reading that I've been doing is um, making it very clear to the individuals and the team that if there is a problem, they know about it immediately. So it's not this thing that sits underneath because what I believe is lazy management is giving people a six on a one to 10, right? You just give them a six because it's not bad and it's not good. And it's, you know, you just kind of like, okay, I I don't really want to tell you that you're two because then I got to deal with you crying and I got to go, you know, I got to build you back up again (laughs) and I got to send you to training. And I don't want to tell you that you're a nine because tomorrow you might come in and be a two. So I'm just going to give you sixes. But what we need to do to build that safety is to tell the reps, you know, they come to you and they go, so how are things going? Well, I'm sorry that I haven't told you things are going great, but let me tell you this, if things aren't going great, you'll know immediately. So just kind of remind them that, you know, no, sometimes no news is seen as bad news in the absence of being told that things are great all the time. And I just don't know if that's, if that's realistic. Like we can't build a group that's expecting a pat on the back every 15 seconds. We, then we, we're, we should just hand out participation trophies. Oh, wait. <laughs> I, I, I digress. We can get into that in another episode. <laughs> Gentlemen, you know, I really appreciate uh, the last years of what you've taught me and uh, really appreciate what you were able to teach people on this episode of the podcast. I knew it was going to be fantastic because we got enough people pontificating on high that couldn't do to save their lives. So I love bringing in people that do it every single day and are successful doing it and are continuing to learn. So thanks for joining us in the podcast today. Thanks so much, George. Thanks, George. Pleasure. Well, I'm glad we had the opportunity to speak with a couple of business development reps. Some organizations call them account executives. What we're talking about is the presenters, the people that seek to understand the business better and then come up with the proposal, make the presentation and close the contract. Todd Myron and I have had the privilege of working together for a number of years and it's really great to see their growth in this space. They're definitely both becoming subject matter experts. Here's their three top takeaways from this week's episode. Motivation. Sales is a mental game and I'm so excited that Myron mentioned his vision boards. And he's done a great job of these. He puts something on the board. He sets a date when he's going to achieve the goal by. And then he, you know, he just focuses on that thing. And he dreams of driving the new car or sitting in the hot tub or he's got two limos. It's a little weird, but uh, you can reach out to Myron online, ask him why he has that. I believe that vision boards, and it doesn't have to be acquiring things. It could be, I want to, you know, put my kids through college or I want to pay my mortgage off. Just something that is a goal because if you don't have that goal and you don't have a plan to reach it and a date that you're going to achieve it by, then it's just a wish. And the other key takeaway from today's podcast is tailoring conversations based on the vertical. You know, the the days of one pitch that fits all customers is long gone. We need to be focused on solving the problems and a dentist has a different set of problems than a restaurant. So we need to have those vertical sales approaches. There's different value propositions depending upon the segment or category that you are trying to uh, solve the problems for. And the other thing we heard in that conversation was shut up and listen. Um, You should only be talking a third of the time in a sales call. Um, You should be listening to the customer to understand their challenges and how your solutions can be a fit for the partnership. And when we get to a no, or we have a bad day, or we have a bad call, or something doesn't go properly in our minds, let's walk it off. 
Go use the bench press. Play some ping pong. Play a game of pool. Go for lunch. Get your shoes shined. Get a haircut. And then move into the next call with a clean mind. Get rid of the negativity. Remember, sales is a mental game. And to that end, negativity spreads like a virus. It's a weed that you can't control with Roundup. You've got to cut it out. You've got to eviscerate the cancer in your sales team. It doesn't mean that you don't want to hear the truth. And if the truth is somewhat negative, you still want to hear it. It's just that you can't have that festering. So being an active listener as a manager is a really important piece of the puzzle, but also taking massive action and solving this problem. This is a problem across all organizations. If you talk to a sales manager or leader that's been doing it a long time, they'll say this is one of the biggest mistakes that they made is they keep hoping for the best that that person's going to change. The negativity is going to go away. I don't think people really can adjust their character. I think that, you know, that thing goes to character. Join our Conquer Local Slack community. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. It's at conquerlocal.slack.com. We're establishing a place for sales reps, which gives us the opportunity to communicate and talk about every aspect of the definition of the career that is sales. Sales development reps, business development reps, account executives, sales managers, directors, vice presidents, EVPs, SVPs, CROs, CEOs, founders, we got an amazing group of thought leaders from around the world that are ready to bolster conversations and give advice. So you come into the Slack community at conquerlocal.slack.com. You can open up channels that are specific to the topics that you want, or you can just go to everyone and just ask a question of the entire group. I belong to a number of these types of communities, and they are a very valuable resource that I've found in the last few months, and that's why we wanted to bring it here to the Conquer Local community. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. We always welcome your feedback, and we have some serious kick-ass guests coming to you this in Season 3. Producer Colleen always cooking up something. She's not telling me what's planned for October 1st, but she says it's going to be amazing. So more about that later. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath. 